missions, Youth Alive. He's been over uh, so many churches. What a tremendous man. The more I get to know him, the more I appreciate him more and more. What a man of God. And what I, one of the things that I, I think about, just thinking of Jesus, one of the things Jesus did was he was real, you know, and intangible and touchable. And, and just the, the amount of time that I've gotten to know Tom, and I would say that's my first and best impression of him, is that he's real and he's tangible. Um, and so I just want to invite Tom, I want you to share with us what God has given for us today. Grateful to have you today. Please come up and let's give him a hand. So first of all, else. I'm sleeping. I can sleep anywhere. So uh, it's wonderful to hang out with family. And today that's what we are. And so when you're with family, something you do is you take pictures. And so thank you. So this morning I'm going to take pictures of the family. So this is a family portrait. So I'll start here and move across. So hold on. All right, everybody wave over there. Okay, right here. All right, got Pastor Zarman. And there we go, over here. There we go. And uh, if you haven't seen me on Facebook, I do make half faces. I was up with Joseph Crane at the high school this morning. And uh, I said, Joseph, we have to do my half face picture. And everybody goes, Tom, you take terrible pictures. You do know that you have a full face, right? And I'm like, yes. But uh, when I first started out, it was just something stupid that I did. And then I thought, it's not stupid. Anybody know who Kilroy was? Kilroy was here. So in World War II, the Americans would walk into a town and put an image of a wall and then a half basin with a big nose hanging over the edge. And what it meant was that the Americans were here, look out. And so when I go to your high school and pray like I did this morning with Joseph, look out, devil, we're here praying for your students, praying that God would release his power and anointing. And it was just a thank you for doing that with me. This is the first time I've actually taken one member with me to a campus in 27 years to pray on that campus. So thank you for going with me this morning. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's just a loud mouth. He talks all the time. <laughs> he doesn't love Jesus, that's for sure. Um, so... I, uh, Youth Alive is a U.S. missions department, and uh, there's like eight U.S. missions departments now, and Youth Alive is one of those. Um, I was one of the original classes back in 1998, and so I've been in this ministry for 27 years, and then add on to that another 12 years of youth ministry. So I've been in youth ministry a long time, so it's, it's a blast. I love what I get to do. Uh, people ask me, how do you keep doing it at your age? I just do. It keeps me young. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, there's nothing I'd rather do. If you'd say, Tom, when are you going to grow up and become a lead pastor? <laughs> I don't want that job. That's his job. He can have that job. I'll do what I'm supposed to do. 
But at any rate, if you'll go to the next slide with me, I want to introduce you to my family. Um, this is the Bachman clan. So right next to me uh, on my right side is Daylene, my wife. And uh, she is a nurse. And so she doesn't get to travel very often with me up and down the Willamette Valley probably the most. But uh, tomorrow morning she'll be up early. Uh, she's a hospice nurse now. And so she'll be going off to her mission field tomorrow. And I, I say this to her often. I, I pale in comparison to the ministry she has. It's just, uh, I don't, I'm not around the loss like she is. Uh, and she is a full-on missionary to people. And now she's a full-on missionary to people that are dying. And um, I don't know how she does it. So pray for her. Her name is Daylene. And she is amazing. So my oldest daughter is on the far right. That's Jessica um, and her husband, Kyle. And that's Kaya. And there's a missing Jojo in their arms. So there's uh, another grandbaby. Um, she works at Lynn Benton. And then he is going to school at OSU and just kind of excited about their way of life. Uh, on the far left is my son-in-law and daughter, Samantha. They're, they're at Willamette Christian Center in Eugene as worship pastors, and in their arms is Olive. We had Olive this weekend, and I had to leave her to come here. And it, uh, it was hard. It was hard. And I, I love my grands. I'm just saying. I love my grands. Anyway, so John is on my right there, John and Krista, and that's Eddie uh, and... Um, it's just they all live within 45 minutes of the house. Every Monday we have family night at our house, and it's just an amazing journey. John works for Sherman Brothers as their uh, tanker manager, um, and he's a dispatcher. He manages that whole line. And just God's just doing good stuff in our family. We're in a season of blessing, and so I'm holding on to it. So you all know that we go through seasons of life. And there have been tough seasons of life. If you've raised teenagers, you understand. Uh, how many grandparents we got out there? This is the real important picture. Go to the next one. Um, yeah, I'm a grandpa. And so uh, my favorite picture on there is Eddie right in the, the middle up on the right there. He's doing this. We didn't pose him that way. We were standing in front of... Uh, um, Oh, Crater Lake, and I think he's like, hey, if the rocks are going to cry out, man, I'm going to, I have to, I'm looking at God's creation, and uh, so all my grands, I love them so very much, and it's interesting, you're going to hear the message this morning, and it kind of flows out of being in youth ministry, but even much more so as being a grandparent, because you know, you're, you're kind of banging your head against the wall trying to figure things out as a parent, right? You're like, oh, should I try this? Should I try that? Let's try this. Let's do this. And you're in the midst of the fight, man. And then you get to be a grandparent. You stand back and go, oh, wow, there's so much that I missed. And now I get, get a chance, a second chance to come back and minister to my own grands and come alongside their family. And I love it. I'm learning so much. I'm reading every parent book I can find. And I'm not their parents, you know, and I'm. I'm looking, okay, God, how do we make our grandkids great? You know, how do we, how do we participate in that process? And not, I don't hope you didn't hear what I, I said as, as um, successful. I didn't say successful. I said great. 
Because the kingdom of God says, the Bible says, to be great, you have to be the least. You hear me? Yes. How, do we, how, do help, how do I help a generation of selfish kids be selfless? And that's, that's the big one that God's working on me right now in my time with him. Saying, Tom, do this, do this, do this. And it's just wonderful. So those are my, that, so you saw my wife, that's my number one ministry. You saw my kids and my grandkids, that's my number two ministry. And then number three is Youth Alive. So go to that for me. If you'll go to the next slide. Youth Alive is all about that none should perish in Oregon. We want all the students in, in our high schools and middle schools to know Jesus. And that's our whole plan. That's the whole goal of everything we do. Everything we do is about that. But you would say, so how do you do that? I believe 100%. So if you've been in the Pentecostal movement for a long time, you would say, oh, that means you do a lot of outreach. We've done that. Been there. Done that. Seen a lot of people respond and very few come to Jesus. Can I say that again? Very, uh, a lot of people respond, but very few come to Jesus. So because I've been in this for 27 years, I've tried all the things. I've done all the things you can do, and I'll share some of those with us today. But I'm telling you right now, the greatest adventure I've ever had is when I slowed down life and I discipled one. The greatest adventure I've ever had was not doing a school assembly where you have 1,200 students listening to a good a good message and then invite them out to a rally where 900 kids respond, which happened in Pendleton about five years ago, but no one comes to Christ. They responded to Christ but they didn't end up being discipled or called into the church. They never got plugged in. I would rather spend an afternoon with Caleb than I would do a school assembly ever in the rest of my life. Uh, if I don't say another thing today, you need to hear what I'm saying. Because that's the model that Jesus gave us. If you want to look closely at his story, his story was... Oh, there's a crowd. How do we get out of here? And then when he had, and if you read it, every single time that there was a crowd, he said he had compassion on them. So he stayed and he taught and he fed them. And what happened? The crowd got up like it always does and says, okay, feed me over here. We don't care about what you're saying, but feed my, my physical body over here. And so they traveled with him. They were with him, but they weren't followers of him. They were followers of chasing after the acts and the actions of what he did. Oh, show us a great miracle. Show us a great thing that you do, Jesus. Show us how you feed 5,000. Show us all this stuff, but very few. The ones that were closest to him, those were the 12. And out of 12, this is the best story that Jesus ever gave us. He showed us that out of 12, even one of them failed and and, and committed suicide. Discipleship's hard. That's why the church doesn't do it. It's why we don't spend the time. Because discipleship is spelled T-I-M-E. It's not D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E. It's called T-I-M-E. And the other word that it spells is L-O-V-E. And it doesn't matter what they believe. It doesn't matter if they're marching uh, against what we just saw with Roe versus Wade. It doesn't matter if they're masked or unmasked. It doesn't matter if they 
take the shot or not take the shot. It doesn't matter if they're Trump or if they're Biden. It, that, that doesn't matter. What matters is that we spend time with people and we disciple them in, intentionally. It can't be something just accidentally happens. And what I'm saying with all that is what we do. We do that. So I'm going to quickly go through this so I don't keep preaching. Go. Go to the next slide. So we raise up students uh, to be missionaries on their campus. If you don't know this, anytime, how many of you ever had a missionary come in here and say, we are ministering to an unreached people group? Have you ever heard that? Guess what? Where am I? Okay. There I am. If you walk about 100 yards that way, walk 100 yards that way, you're in the middle of a community of unreached people group in America. You don't have to go to Iran. In fact, God probably didn't call you to go to Iran. But this is what I know. God called you to enterprise. He called you to this area. And your job isn't being done if you are not discipling. God, in His Word, Matthew 28, it's, it's a command. Go make disciples. The word there, go, is the one, and I'm sorry to say this, but I love the Assemblies of God, but the word that we've always focused on is the go. But look at this. When I left yesterday, I got in my car, and this is really poor English, so all you English scholars, forgive me. And I goed <laughs> uh -huh, to Enterprise. I could say went, but it doesn't fit the, the model that I'm trying to say here. I, I got in my car and I goed. Uh, today afterwards, I'm going to get in my car and there are going to be two or three stops along the way, for sure. And I'm going to go home. Every day we fulfill the go part. Every single day. Every single day. And we and, and I've heard messages within my time frame about, oh, dude, you, you just got to go. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Is there anybody last week or this last week that didn't go somewhere? Okay, we're fulfilling that part. Make. Make. And the noun is a disciple. The make is where the labor is. That's the verb. You say, well, go, make, go, and make. That's a verb too. Go. We do go all the time. And lives aren't being changed. But when we intentionally go for the purpose of making, things change. And it's just... Can I? How many of you remember the old TVs where there, it was a click dial? Everybody remember that? So I was dad's remote control. Hey, son, turn it to channel two. Oh, I don't want that. Go to 13. No, I want channel six. And we'd click the dial, right? So in the church, we often think when we, when we give out challenges that it's like, Going from UHF to the bottom of the dial, it's like click, 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 click. It's not that much. This is not. What I'm asking us to do is literally one click of the dial. Just one click. Because it's always been evangelism slash discipleship is always meant to be the most. 
easiest thing that we do. In fact, this is the truth. All of us in this room disciple. Every single day, all day long. Out in the world out there, every person out there disciples. Every day, all day long. Step onto that campus. Every classroom, every teacher, every administrator, every person that serves food, every person that's a coach, disciples all day, all day long. The difference is, is where are you taking people? So if we come to church and we live out our faith here, and we're worshiping Jesus here, and then we step out into another world and we go and live it differently, then we are taking people from a, a point of Jesus to a point of, I hate to say it, sometimes we take people to hell. Because as believers, everybody in your community, wherever you live, saw you get up this morning. They know where you're headed. You come home the same time every Sunday. It is not hard for your neighbors to know that you were at church. So you are now a Christian. From that moment on, everywhere you go, everything you do, whatever you say, all day long, is discipleship. When that neighbor's dog comes over and defecates on your lawn and leaves a white spot and you get mad at the neighbor for that and you yell at them because a piece of green grass died. You're discipling. Every time the neighbor kid comes over and he breaks your rose bushes or breaks a limb off of your cherry tree or something like that and you yell at that kid in that kid's mind you're discipling them. You see, when we become Christ-like, we become intentional about the way that we live out our lives. Or we don't. And the way we choose to live our lives dictates whether we are true followers of Christ or not. The sad part is, is we have people that attend our churches on a regular basis that honestly, they came, they prayed the prayer and got their stamp on their passport or their ticket and they think oh that's good that's all I need and that's not what Christ asked us to in fact there's there's no other no other thing in the world that it's one and done it really isn't the world around us dictates that as I understand you've gone on to get more education to become a doctor you did that on purpose right you didn't oops I'm in school again <laughs> No, you made a clear-cut decision to further your education to be more than what you've been. We all do that on a regular basis. Sometimes we eat less. Sometimes we, we get in a car and we put different gasoline into our vehicle. We make choices in life that makes things hopefully better for ourselves. But when is it not about me any longer? And when has my life become about other people out in the world and I am intentionally leading them somewhere? That I am literally waking up in the morning going, God, help me today. That I am not somebody that's leading people to hell, but I am through my actions leading things to you. And use the Holy Spirit to use me as light and salt in our community. Everywhere you go. So watch this. If you're walking into a store and you're at the cash register and, the whole, and, and, and God's spoken to you, hey, 
just I want you to do something very simple when you get in front of that lady today. She's having a really bad day. And watch this. This is what you can do. Yep, i got to get ready. Oh, that was too fast. Let me slow it down. I know, I'm sarcastic, right? What if we smiled? What if we just smiled? Just say, Tom. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, just smile at people and leave it there. Well, it doesn't say, give them the four spiritual laws either. (laughs) It doesn't say that in Scripture. Nowhere in Scripture does it say the four spiritual laws. In fact, in Scripture, it doesn't even say, learn John 3.16, Romans 3.23, or 6.23. That's, that's modern guys that have done that. So what did they do back then? They lived out their faith. They smiled at people because they lived in peace and joy of the Holy Spirit in their life. And a, and a smile backed up by the Holy Spirit. Whew. And sometimes we, we celebrate the big stuff and forget that God's using us every single day. What if, what if this testimony time on Sunday mornings became... Not just about the big things that we did, but, you know, this last week, I, I know it sounds really small, but um, I noticed that my neighbor's rose bush was dry, and so when I was watering my, my roses, I, rose, I, I, I watered hers. What would that have to do? I don't know, but it's giving God the opportunity to use what you have. See, God's blessed by our actions. He's not blessed just by the big stuff. In fact, the truth be told, we don't save anybody. God does the saving. So we know that heaven rejoices when one comes into the kingdom of God. Guess who gets the glory for that? God. We don't. But we forget that God's asked us to be light and salt. And I don't know if you've considered that, but think about what it takes to be light and salt. How did I become light and salt? I asked Jesus into my life and I had a transformation in my spirit. That's it. So every day we should be light and salt. Uh, Every day we are light and salt. The difference is, is it too much salt? When we're leading people away? When we're doing things that don't line up? This is the thing that's, that's changed my life dramatically. Is we're not perfect. These simple words. Man, I was wrong. I'm sorry. That was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. I just want to live my life as one that knows the Father and reflects who He is. Every single day. And then let God take that and use it to change people's lives. Now, don't get me wrong. We should be learning the scriptures to lead somebody to the Lord. But if, you, if, you're, if you've been on that spectrum before, if you've led somebody to the Lord, you know that at that point they're pulling it out of you and you're not forcing it down their throat. They're begging for more because they're ready. The soil is ready to bring forth a harvest. And guys, that's what God's asking us to do, to live out our faith on a daily basis. And that's what we do Within Youth Alive. Let's go through this really quick. Go to the next one. So we use this tool. It's a tool that we're using across the state. Uh, um, Life of the Lost has purchased this for us. It's called You I Dare You 365. 
The only reason I love it is because every day there's a challenge. And every day in that challenge, it challenges a teenager to live out their faith in a simple way on their campus. Sometimes it's introspectively and other times it's evangelistically or missionally. And so all of it is missional, actually. And so we have these tools and we've had grandmas, grandpas, moms, dads take it home and walk through it with their own kids. And I know Taj did that with Caleb for a while, right? And so awesome. I Again, it's hard. It's not easy. But what we've done is we've really underestimated what kids can do. And I think that that's what we've done. We've We've created an attractional gospel that kids are attracted to. And when we realize that living out our faith is work, we lose them. Just think about it. Why don't we show them what this is? That this is a relationship. And as in any relationship, it takes work. I'm not just... I'm not just speaking metaphorically of relationship friendships. I'm talking about a marriage relationship. It takes work, right? It's hard work. So God gave us that picture of a marriage relationship and said, then live this out. Live this out. And we, again, when we present a gospel that's so easy and so simple, it is easy. He did all the work, but there's a life that I am contributing to after that. Why? Because I'm madly in love with him. Not because I have to, but because I want to. It's a part of what I should be doing. It should drive me every single day. And if we're driven by things of this world, if we're driven by, you know, oh, i got to get home to watch that TV show and not driven, holy cow, I've got to live out my faith. Where's my God? Did I just get a stamp of approval? Or am I living out that command that says, go make disciples? And realistically, in that message, if I'm running home to watch a TV show, I'm giving a message to my grandkids and my kids that that's more important than living out my faith. Go to the next one if you can. Um, Another book, The Catechism, uh, it's really good. It's a simplified version. They have three questions. Uh, It probably would take five minutes to go through this book uh, with your your grands or your kids uh, uh, just every single day. And it's just the... The things that Christians need to know about God. This one's less about missional and more about um, conversational. So this is a really good tool. Go to the next one. Um, Organ Prayer Force, some of you are a part of this. If you're not, if you're on Facebook, um, we started this group about 11 years ago, and it got as high as 4,500 people across the state of Oregon praying for needs. Um, When Facebook kind of did their last change on groups, we, do, we got down to about 2,900 people, which means that out of 4,500, we had 2,900 active prayer warriors. That's what it showed us. You know, people would go, oh, my goodness, why did they cut so many people? Well, they weren't active. And you would say, oh, that's a terrible loss. No, it's not. I'd rather have 29 active, 2,900 active people. And we're right at the, vo- uh, the place of another uh, at 3,000 again. And we just pray. We just pray and ask God to move. And that's what the whole group's about. If you're on Facebook and you're looking for a way for that to to be a part of a ministry, take time right now and join the page. You can go on there even as I'm talking and join the page, Oregon Prayer Force. Go to the next one. Um, We also do, again, I believe that the starting point of evangelism for teenagers is praying for the lost. And so we have an Instagram page of 40 different youth pastors giving 
daily examples of how to pray on their campus, like two-minute videos that say, hey, pray for this today, and I just want to pray for you today. So it's a, it's very interactive and very powerful. I mean, just a great tool. Go to the next one. We also have uh, our prayer zone partners. So again, I don't know if you've noticed these signs around the school, these five-sided signs where this mother and, and daughter are holding hands. It's called a crosswalk sign. I say it's a prayer sign. Mom and daughter are praying. They're holding hands. See? No, they're not. But from now on, you'll think of that. And what we want you to do, because you have to slow down to 20 miles an hour, and you're always in a hurry to get somewhere as you're driving through a school zone. There's one on, on your main highway out here where you have to slow down. So let that be a reminder to you to slow down and pray. And just say a simple prayer like, God, I pray for every student on the campus. I pray for every teacher. Pray for an administrator that you draw them to yourself. For those that are Christians, God, give them a platform to share your faith, their faith. And that's a simple prayer. So what do you think God does when he hears that prayer from all of us? He loves it. But again, I think many of us would say, oh, that's not going to do anything. Or we think, oh, God doesn't love those kids. Why wouldn't we be praying every single day for teenagers? Why wouldn't we pray for our grandkids every single day, every kid that is in our lives? Why would we not be praying for other people's kids and praying that God would draw them to himself? How wonderful would it be if you could walk out every single day and know that God was drawing teenagers to himself and to elementary school students? And that's what we've got to do. We've got to formulate a prayer strategy that says, God, do what you want to do. We know what God's will is, that none should perish. And all sometimes he's waiting for is for us to ask. So we have uh, stickers that go where your oil change sticker goes in your car. Come grab some from me after the end of the service and become part of our prayer zone partners. Just a simple way to be involved in the process of evangelism in your city. Go to the next slide if you can. Uh, that's <laughs> See that up there, Joseph? <laughs> that was us this morning at your high school. And we had just gotten done with about, what, two, three minutes? That's all it took. Two or three minutes, we stopped at the school, got out, and we prayed together. And I said, hey, you have to do your half face with me. So, And then the other one was yesterday. I stopped as I was driving around the school and just prayed for your school. Why? Because I believe in prayer. I believe in prayer. And if I don't believe in prayer, I should quit being a Christ follower. Seriously. If you believe in prayer, pray. Go to the next one for me. Uh, we do church lock-ins called Teen Encounters. They're amazing. I wish you all could be a fly on a wall in one of those. It's amazing to see what God does. Go to the next one. Um, we also do an Oregon Coast Forum. Uh, that one's a little off. Weird. Anyways, it's it, where we invite youth pastors and children's pastors during one, uh, three days in a week to come for free. And we pray together. Uh, we stay in three different um, rentals. And I pay for all that. I pay for their food. And we just come and pray together. We build relationships with one another and share uh, great things that God's doing in our youth ministries. And it's just been exciting to see what God's been doing in that. We've been doing that since 2013. Go to the next slide. Um, this one is our central youth camp. We do it every year in Bend. It's got a discipleship flavor to it. And we, we run the whole camp. And we've been doing that since 2005. And again, it's just one of those amazing things. Friday nights, we allow the students to preach. It's very interesting. It's really cool um, when we trust God and believe that they have something to say. And the cool thing is, is guess what? 
they have something to say. And it's really powerful when you say, say what God tells you to say only. Wow, it's been powerful. It's just been powerful. So we do that. That's coming up middle July, so you can be praying for us for that. Go to the next slide if you could. Um, we also run Oyama. That is not Osama nor Obama. Um, Oyama stands for Oregon Youth Alive Ministry Academy. To date, we have 34 young people in ministry in the state of Oregon. So we raise up pastors to be children's pastors, youth pastors, and worship leaders. Uh, we have a ministry house. If you go to the next slide, I think it's a picture of that. Yep, that's uh, the progression of our ministry house. We bought it back in 2013. And then uh, just the progression over the years. Uh, that'll house 10 students um, at any one time. We've never filled it up. Our goal is to have uh, 10 females or males at one time and have five of the opposite gender. And then we can also house a married couple as well. So we can have as many as 17. Man, if we had 17 a year uh, over a two-year period of time, we would get the job done, which is to, to allow even here in Enterprise. I don't know if you remember Bethany that came out. She was one of our students. Um, uh, and she was uh, interviewing with uh, Micah uh, back, what was it, two years ago? I think it was two years ago. And uh, the cool story of that, I don't know if you heard the whole story of that, but she ended up going to Grant's Pass as their children's pastor before Micah left you to go to be there. And I remember about two weeks after uh, the interview, he called me bawling on the phone. He said, I blew it. I was supposed to just talk about what God was doing. And I got sidetracked, and he's just crying. And I said, that's okay, Micah. God has plans. And at that point, he didn't know he was leaving to go to Grant's Pass where Bethany was already going. Isn't God good? He's so amazing. He is amazing how he does it. Now, for you guys, that's terrible. But for him, wow, praise God. Um, so go to the next one. Um, we also run Compass, which is similar but different for kids that are not called to vocational ministry. And our goal is to uh, have a gap year program of strong discipleship where they come live in our houses and they spend nine months with us and grow in their faith in Christ and then go out into the world and do what God's called them to do. Uh, whether that's a doctor, lawyer, you know, mom, it doesn't matter to us. We just want to have a place where they can hear a clear voice of God and not hear mom go, go get a job, go get a job, or go to school, or quit playing video games, whatever it may be. Um, that's what we want Compass to be. Go to the next slide if you would. Um, we also uh, run, still do school assemblies, not very many anymore. That's actually turning into a uh, something called Zoe Nights, where we're doing uh, community-wide outreaches again. Uh, we want to keep doing that. We know that it's a, a way, not the way, but a way. We also help uh, young people start Bible clubs on their campus. And if you think that that's illegal, it's not. Um, equal access is still alive and well. And kids can have Bible club meetings at lunchtime on their campus every single day. And that's so wonderful. In fact, one of our campus missionaries a few years back, she had gone through the I Dare You 365. She's from Rainier, Oregon. She was a junior when she started going through I Dare You. Uh, and it was the year that COVID hit. And she, was, uh, she, she went to the Bible club there. She invited some of her cheerleader friends. Five of them gave their heart to Jesus after hearing her personal testimony right on a public school campus. 
So I'm just letting you know, all these things are legal. If you think prayer has been taken off the public school campus, you're wrong. Anytime there's a math test, a kid's going, dear God, help! That's prayer, man! You know, but again, it hasn't been removed. What's been removed is forced. Did you hear that? Forced prayer was removed. And I don't know about you, but I never was saved because of forced prayer. You rotten kid, pray this prayer. You know, or over the system, they would pray every morning and every kid was told to pray. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't know of anybody. I've never run into anybody in all my life that got saved because there was a school prayer a forced school prayer. But I can tell you of hundreds of kids that have come to Christ because kids still pray, called See at the Pole, since 1991. Uh, I can tell you about hundreds of kids that have been impacted because of prayer groups on a public school campus, even today. And it's the basic idea, given to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and given to God what belongs to God. Caesar has opened the door for us to have uh, opportunities on public school campuses. So we're taking advantage of those. And kids are the primary source. Why would I send an old white guy to go minister to a 12-year-old when a 12-year-old can minister to a 12-year-old much better than I can? Make sense? And that's what we do. We train them up and release them. And that's the goal. Discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. Go to the next one this morning because I need to hurry up and get done here. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting, this is the part, not wanting anyone to perish. Can we all say that together? Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's our loving God, right? He doesn't look at the murderer and say, I want that murderer to go to hell. He doesn't. His will is that none should perish. If we're wondering what God's will is for our life, His will for our life is to be on that team. That's His will. He, that will is for uh, every teenager, every child to be on that team. And the goal is, how do we get them there? So we've tried discipleship classes, right? All of us remember uh, evangelism explosion or something of nature that we sat in a classroom and we learned all this stuff and then they said, you're ready, go! And you get out there and you're like, huh! Right? What do I do with that? I don't think God made that, that that confusing to us. I think we are doing it and I think He's excited about it. <laughs> I think... We do some stuff that he's up there going, check them out. They just smiled at that waitress. Boom, I can do something with that. Check them out. They gave 30% tip instead of 10. Boom, I can do something with that. And yes, there's those times where we're going to find ourselves in conversations with people. And boom, God's going to just open the door and you're going to say things that are going to draw people to himself. This uh, couple of years ago, I, was, I had a back problem and I was in physical therapy. And my physical therapist uh, was telling me about what he loves to do and stuff. And, and I was just asking question after question after question. And so our second time in, the, in there, he goes, you know, I felt really bad. We talked about what I do. You didn't tell me what you do. And I'm like, um... How about I don't tell you? He says, what? What, is it one of those things if you tell me, you got to kill me? You know, he's like laughing at me, and I said, no. 
I just figure our conversation will end if I tell you what we do. And he goes, what, are you a preacher? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he goes, oh, just like that. And I thought, oh, God, help me. And so I said, God, open my mouth so that I can share it the way that it needs to be shared. And I talked to him about how we are uh, really what Youth Alive does is, does is we come in alongside the, the local church and helps bridge the gap to the public schools. We want you to have influence in a place where they need influence of people like you. We need you on that campus. We need you walking that campus. We need you loving on kids. We need you caring about kids. We need people in this room that will go down to the elementary and teach, teach a child how to read. Just sit in a classroom one hour a week and teach a child how to read. And that becomes your child all year long. And you become their grandma. You become their grandpa. All you need to, to give in that situation is one hour a week. And it's volunteer work. And you say, well, can I tell them about Jesus? You don't have to. You don't have to. You just have to be there. And they'll ask the questions because they'll go, man, you're not like my grandma. What makes you different? And then you can go, well, Jesus. You see, that's the, that's the boundaries that we have. And we can live within those boundaries. Well, what happens if they don't ask? Then God's going to take what you have given, and he's going to multiply that. See, we've got to get outside our box of thinking, oh, it's got to be standing on a desk somewhere, and boy, you're all going to hell. It's not that. We do not live there any longer. Will we get back to that? I don't know. I don't know if it will be in our lifetime. And to be honest with you, I don't care if we get back to that. What I care about is that we, as the body of Christ, start doing what God's called us to do. And you say, Tom, man, you're just hammering us. Well, I'm family. We decide that already. And if one finger's pointing at you, realize three are pointing back at me because I realize I'm not doing enough. We've got to do all that God's given to us because we've got a generation. I've got five grandkids and unless God does a miracle, they're going to hell. I have one of my sons, right? I see you. I see you, and I'm getting there. I have uh, My son was abused by a man in our church. He was bullied all the way through school. He, he was in Afghanistan as a Marine, killed two people, and it destroyed his life. And he has come home broken inside. Broken. And the Holy Spirit, now don't get me wrong, he didn't say this to you, but I'm going to give you a picture that he gave me about a month and a half ago. He said, Tom, one of these days I'm going to bring your whole family up, up to a day of judgment before me. We all will stand before the Lord. Scripture tells us that. And on that day he will reveal what we did and what we didn't do. He's going to show that to everybody. And he said, Tom... In this case, I'm going to have your family stand up there with you. And I'm going to go down the line. Can you get back to my family shot? It's like uh, three. The third slide. Yeah, just keep going way back. Way back. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, one more. There we go. And can you see him? Standing before God. And God's here. And he's going, Tom, Olive, welcome. Now, good and faithful servant. You're not at that age of of redemption yet, but you're in. Oscar, great job leading people into the kingdom of God as a worship pastor. Sammy, great job as a manager in palliative care. 
at uh, Riverbend and Eugene and the lives that you touch. Tom, great job. Faithful servant. Come in. Daylene, come on in. Wow, great job as a nurse. Eddie, great job. You're a little boy, so you get to come in. And John, depart from me. I never knew you. I'm going to get loud. You think I'm loud? I'm going to get louder. No! Until we get there, enterprise goes to hell. You say, Tom, I don't have any relationship with my family anymore. So, fix it. Who's the Christian in the room? My grandkids don't want to have anything to do with God. So, don't stop. Jesus went after Peter three times. And one of them, he he had to leave wherever the afterlife was for him at that moment to come back and get him back again. Right? He didn't say, oh, I'm just going to, Peter, such, you know, he, he turned his back on me. We don't talk anymore. I'm just mad. I'm just going to sit here and wait for Peter to come back. That's what we do. And this is our family. This is the people that we care about the most. Many of you women gave birth to them. I'm almost of the mind, folks, that we should have had, maybe we should have had classes that said, don't have kids if you won't raise them in the way that they should go. And that doesn't mean take them to church and let the church do it. It's not Pastor James's responsibility. He's part of your team. He is part of your team. Your team. Your discipleship team to your kids, to your grandkids. He's part of your team. He's not the team leader here. You are. You see, that's what we do in, in Youth Alive. But this is where God is so convicted. You can hear it in my voice, right? I am so convicted by this because I look back and I go, what did I do with my son? Well, one of the things that I did with my son, gosh, i got to be done. One of the things that I, not just with my son, but one of the things that I did is I heard in the church, hey, go find a quiet place and have your time with Jesus. And I went, oh, okay, I'll do that. So it was my bathroom. Put in a desk, good seating place. You know, and I've done that for 30 years. And then I read the scripture. The scripture always in that quiet place was go intercede, go find time to talk to Jesus. You got to remember, they didn't have a Bible. Nobody owned scrolls, so it's not like they took their Bible into their quiet place. They didn't have that. So the imagery wasn't there for us to say, oh, I can do what they did. Where are we supposed to be doing that? Personally, I believe at your kitchen table so that when your kids get up in the morning, they see you bawling in the presence of God or laughing at something that Jesus has said. Go like 18 forward now. There's an old man picture. It's my grandpa. 
One more. That's Grandpa Lloyd. So Grandpa Lloyd, when I was 10 years old, he walked into our lives, married my grandma, which is the picture before. And and uh, almost immediately, that's Grandma Noggle. She was a, a Mennonite from Pennsylvania. And man, did she love Jesus. But we didn't. We had no relationship. Anyways, go to Grandpa again. Anyway, so he walked up and he said, Tom, you want to learn how to do construction? And I'm like, yes. What 10-year-old doesn't want to pound nails and saw stuff, right? <laughs> and uh, he, and I said, yes. And he said, okay, Saturday I'll be over. I said, what time? He said, 4 a.m. <laughs> what happens at 4 a.m. on a Saturday during summer vacation? Nothing like sleep. And so I said, okay. So he'd come over. And the, where he hooked me is I'm a meat guy. I love meat. So every Saturday morning, we'd drive home to his house and have T-bone steak and eggs. Every Saturday. And he'd sit at the table. Now imagine this guy. Look at that smile on his face. That smile never left his face. And we'd sit at the kitchen table, and it was a round table. And I'd have my steak in front of me, and I'm just chowing through it. And he would have his Bible out in front of him with his hot tea and, and uh, his, his orange slice and his T-bone steak. And he'd get there and he'd start reading and all of a sudden you'd see Grandpa do this. <laughs> uh, what do you think I'm doing? What are you reading, Grandpa? What's going on there, Grandpa? Show me what you're reading there, Grandpa. You want to be attractional. Be that. Because it was during those times that there were other men that walked into my life, that poured into my life, that were intentional about pouring into me. I am the man I am today because I had amazing Man like my grandfather, amazing lady like my grandmother. Go to the next slide for me. And I had incredible parents that made huge mistakes. Mom had an affair when I was 18 years old. And dad stayed with her. On her two weeks before she died of cancer, she thought she was going to hell because of what she'd done. I had no idea what she was referring to. She wrote me a note. And I prayed with her. And the long story short is in that prayer, she had lost her short-term memory because the cancer had eaten it away. And I'm praying with her and I get done and I thought that was the most amazing moment. And five seconds later, she wrote me a note. I don't think I get to go to heaven because of what I did. Totally forgot. And the Holy Spirit said, Tom, this is grace. Guess what my prayer from that moment on is, Jesus, take my mom home. Please take her home. It's where heaven became so real to me. I, I, you asked me to pray. You should know this. <laughs> if people ask me to pray and it's like an impossible situation that we know of unless God completely intervenes, I'll pray for less every single day. He's a good friend. But at the end of the day, if, if he's not going to be healed physically, I want him healed and healed his home. Healed his home. <sighs> My dad, on the other hand, died just a few years ago. And I remember after all this, mom became really angry, really angry in our lives. And she became very verbally abusive to my father. He stayed with her. He cared for her. He wiped her bottom. 
fed her when she couldn't feed herself. The whole nine yards stayed with her all the way to the end. And then he lived another almost 10 years after she died. And I asked him one day during that time that mom was just angry all the time. I said, Dad, why did you stay with mom? And my dad wasn't this deeply spiritual person, but he preached the biggest message I've ever heard in all my life in four words. He said, Tom, if you really want to know, the reason I stayed with your mom is because I love her. I will, for the rest of my life, try to be like that. Folks, people come into our lives and go out of our lives. Every moment that we give to the cause of the kingdom changes lives. And I don't know about you, but for the rest of my life, I don't want to be the same person I've been. Selfishness says I need to get home. Selfishness says I need to feed myself. Selfishness says I need to take care of this. Well, God says in his word, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It doesn't say be selfish. It says love your neighbor as you love yourself. So give them stuff. Pour yourself out into them. Discipleship is the key today, folks. If we're going to change the world we live in, we start small. And what would happen? Just think about it this way. Do the math when you go home today. If you won one, and then they won one, and then they won one, do you realize that basically in one year, all of America would know Jesus? But we think, let's do the big event. And guess what? I've been in ministry 37 years. Everybody's not saved. It's time to revert back to what the Holy Spirit said. Go make disciples. Start with your own family. Pour into them. If they're going to school five hours a day, you should be spending two hours a day of undoing what the public schools did that day. I'm just being real with you. That's what we've got to be. And because we haven't been, we can say, oh, it's so sad. This generation's lost. The same Jesus died for them that he died for us. Yet I'm saved. I know where I'm going. Is it possible that I'm the problem? Not the plan. Plan's always been the same. It's our job. It's what he asked us to do. Go make disciples. This morning, um, one last thing. Um, I have a box of these. Another simple thing that you could do. Take one of these life books. This is just the story of the gospel. Uh, Take one of these. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Write a simple note to somebody and give it away as a gift. Just simple. The job is not to get it into their heart. The job is to get it into their hand. If they turn around and throw it down, you did your job. If they take it home and they throw it away, you already did your job. The job is to get it into their hand. Are you hearing me? Again, all the end of results is up to God. Our job is to get it into their hand. So take some. I've got these up in front. Get some of these prayer zone partners. But this is what I want to do. Can we just take a moment and pray? Uh, 
you can keep your eyes open. I'm, I'm kind of that guy. Nowhere in Scripture does it say to close your eyes. And when you're driving through a school zone, don't close your eyes. Please. God, I, I love you. And I thank you that um, you're the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you want people to know you, oh, so badly. You had a perfect plan. And God, today, uh, you saw us and you said, check them out. They're my plan. Thank you that you chose us, God. Thank you that you chose everybody in this room to be a part of your plan. So, Father, I pray that today would be less about a challenge and more about an awakening. An awakening in our spirits of what we should be doing and how we should be doing this and how I should be doing this. Because what Tom did, that may be what Tom does, but what about me? What am I supposed to do? So, Father, I would just ask today for us that have gotten bogged down in the details and we say, when I'm ready, I'll be ready. God, that's... (laughs) Thank God you didn't do that to us. Thank God. Thank you, Father, that Jesus didn't wait. He died, and he did what needed to be done. And so, Father, I get the benefits of that. He did it in his perfect timing, just like your return will be in your perfect timing. But, God, time is running out. The Scripture clearly says in 2 Thessalonians, there's going to be a great falling away. Holy cow. In America, there's a great falling away. You also promised that before your end time that there would be a a newness of life. You didn't say you're going to renew life. It'd be newness of life. So that means new people coming into the kingdom. And Father, we're anxious for that, but you have chosen us to be a part of that process. So Lord, help us to be part of it. Help us not to sit idly by and wait for somebody else to get the job done when it's my job. My kids, and I'm going to say it again, no, I will not lose my son. I will not lose my son. The enemy has no power, no authority over his life. In the name of Jesus, for all of our Johns, God, for all of our grandkids and all of our kids that don't know you, we say, No! We will not lose them. And yes, God, I will do everything. Let it be my final action of life that for the rest of my life, I will pour myself out so that you can do what you do, God. Draw them to yourself. Use me wherever you put me, God. Whatever platform you put me in, wherever I go, God, use me on the way home today to the gas station attendant, God to those at the rest areas, God, that I come in contact with. Use me. Use the light and salt. Use my words to draw people to yourself. Why? Because you would that none should perish, but all come to repentance. God, help us to help you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, please give him a hand. I didn't, I didn't tell Tom before he got up here that uh, he just kind of preaches my style. I don't know that we, I, I ever use my watch. It's just kind of like as, as I feel led, I keep going. Now, whether you feel like I should keep going or not, that's another story. But <clears throat> You know, there seems to be this struggle between how much do I do and how much does God do. 
and you know the reality is, is you know, I heard this quote, and I think it was from Spurgeon, and I think this is one thing to think about as you guys are preparing to leave today. Is the, the quote it says this, work as if everything depended on you. Pray as if everything depended on God. I think that puts everything into perspective. You can never say that God just wants me to do nothing. But how you put your heart into and trust him to work behind you. See, this is the Lord anoints what we put our hands to. It's amazing that when Peter stepped out on the water, the water hardened. But he said, Jesus, just bid me out. He knew that when the Lord bid him out, it was time to go. And I think that there's that piece of us that we just need to learn to discern and listen to what God's wanting us to do. But it's going to require a lot of action. It's just something we do. But what I love is the Lord anoints what we do. That's the difference. When Jesus got in the boat with his disciples, what's really powerful about that is they had toiled all night long. I, can't, I just can't get over that picture. They spent all their time in their own effort, in their own energy, without that reliance on God. Then Jesus steps in. Just as they're cleaning up the mess, and says, go get back in that boat one more time. Go launch out in the deep, and you're going to catch a multitude. They did the exact same thing, the same effort. This time, Jesus has blessed the effort. And I think that's what we're just going to focus on. So I want you to think about this right now. And we're going to have a time just for you to just let the Lord set this in our hearts. I think everything that Tom shared with me is good for me too, right? It's good for all of us. But I want you to do something. I want you, as you're responding, think of those family members right now that you need to put something on. You have just as much right to say, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not under my watch. Make sure you do. You know, I think that's the seriousness that we penetrate into the kingdom of God with. My heart goes in with it. I love it when people pray. You have my permission as a pastor here. You pray with all of your heart. You pray with your heart burning. You pray like, if I don't pray today, maybe they'll go to hell tomorrow. You pray with everything within you. God loves heartfelt prayer. I believe that with all my heart. I've had times there was no words. It was just tears. But I believe God knows those tears more than anything else. So you pray. God's put somebody on your heart. You know that you've been thinking about for a long time. I've been hearing in testimony. And pray for them. Pray for where you're at. Because there is something about how we respond and what we do that's going to be huge. You know, Debbie was, she's not here at the moment. But think of her sister. Her sister sat in our church with us. And I want you to think about this. Maybe a lady here, one of you ladies, you think about her, but you're like, well, I don't know her very well. But I'm going to tell you this. I don't think she's going to give a care what lady steps up to her door, finds her phone number or whatever, and gives her a call. I don't think that's going to matter a bit. I think what's going to matter the bit is the one who actually did. That's what's going to matter. So I just want, I'm not telling any one particular person to do it, but I want you to think maybe you're that one, you know. And somebody in our life, there's somebody you should be calling and talking to and ministering to. So while we're just, uh, I asked the worship team to come up, I want you to respond to the Lord. As the Lord leads you, come to the altar. If the Lord leads you, to stay where you're at. But just, just come and let the Lord in in this moment. I think it's a really good time. So I'm going to pray over you guys, and then we're going to let them sing, and you're going to come and, and just let the Lord minister to you. And then also, after they're, they're done, 
We just let the music play in the background. If anybody's still here and you want to tarry and stay, you have my permission. You have my blessing, and I'd love for you to. So don't let the intermission between songs stop you from just letting the Lord minister to you, okay? So let's pray. Father, I want to thank you today that we really truly have heard from you today. God, so many different things and words and things said that would minister to every person here. So God, you know what's most important. And our family members, those we love, God, those that we share a piece of life with are so important. God, we don't want to miss the opportunity just to be your hands and your feet into somebody's life. Jesus, it's amazing that you minister your love as we reach out and touch them. Lord, it wasn't our touch particularly, but it was just the anointing of the way the Holy Spirit used our body to touch them in some way. So, Father, everybody in this place has a responsibility to somebody, whether they're paying attention to it or not. And, Lord, today I just pray that you just bring that forefront to everyone here. That, God, we would feel that we are sharing in your heart the Holy Spirit moving in us to minister to somebody in particular. And even those we have been, Lord, what's that next step with them? Where do we go next, Lord? And begin to just animate that and make that real for everybody here. And we just give you this last bit of our service or your service here. God, you, you, we're not flipping out the light here, Lord. We're not shutting things down until you've had your way in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.